0: Uh, The reading is taken this afternoon from 2 Peter, chapter 1, verses 1 to 11, and that can be found on 1,222 of the Church Bibles. 2 Peter, chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who, through the righteousness of our God and Saviour Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance, through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. (coughs) For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith and goodness and for goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will be kept for you. They will keep you from becoming ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is short-sighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Uh, Thanks, Rachel. Uh, If you've got a Bible, do keep it open, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. Let me pray as we uh, start this new series. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. We pray now that wherever we stand before you, uh, whether we feel strong in our faith, weak in our faith, whether we don't uh, want to have a faith, and we pray that you would speak to us by your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Well, it's only three more Sundays before... Summer holidays, unless you're at a posh school and then you broke up like a month ago. (laughs) Uh, And uh, we've just finished our Leviticus study. Um, We've been all the way through Leviticus. And I thought, what are we going to, before our summer psalm series, which uh, we'll enjoy over uh, late July and August, I thought, what should we fit in? And so uh, what better than one Peter, uh, sorry, two Peter. It's got three chapters, although halfway through this week uh, I decided one chapter was too much, so I've given half of this week's chapter to Tim for next week. Uh, if you are here for Leviticus, you might remember that what we learned is that we, God's people, if we belong to God's people, are to be holy because God is holy. Uh, we are to be set apart. We're to be different from the world around us because we trust and obey in a holy God. We don't trust or rely on our own views or worldviews. And 2 Peter is uh, written to address false teachings from the first century after Jesus was uh, put to death on a cross. And it has a very similar message overall. It calls us to be godly, to be holy, to be obedient to him, if you like, to be set apart, to be different from the world around us. And we're to do that by holding fast to God's truth. Uh, And when we do that, and this is what we're going to think about today a little bit, we are actually confirming our faith. So if you ever wonder, how do I know if I'm a Christian? How how do I really know? Uh, Well, this is going to help us. Uh, We might think we believe in Jesus and think that we have salvation before God because of him. Uh, But how do we mix that in with the world that we live in, which is complicated and confused? Uh, and, and a world where there sort of is no truth, or you can make up whatever truth you want. Uh, I, uh, I, I realise it's hot and warm on a Sunday afternoon, so I thought, what better than to put a little video on? Don't worry, it's only a minute long. Uh, but this video is, is sort of the end game of where we're going as a culture. Uh, And while not every church has written their own sparkle creed, as we're about to watch, it does, in a sense, represent the world in which we live in and churches that have given up on the truth of God's word and decided that God should fit the culture we live in. Now, are we free to do that? What, What do we do with that sort of information? That's what I want you to think about as we watch this quick video.
2: I invite you to rise in body or spirit. And let us confess our faith today in the words of the Sparkle Creed. I believe in the non-binary God whose pronouns are plural. I believe in Jesus Christ, their child, who wore a fabulous tunic and had two dads and saw everyone as a sibling child of God. I believe in the rainbow spirit who shatters our image of one white light and refracts it into a rainbow of gorgeous diversity. I believe in the church of everyday saints, as numerous, creative, and resilient as patches on the ace quilt, whose feet are grounded in mud and whose eyes gaze at the stars in wonder. I believe in the calling to each of us, that love is love is love so beloved, let us love I believe, glorious God help my unbelief, Amen
1: Lord, help us this lady just said a God with multiple pronouns and Jesus with two dads these people are creating their own stuff, bro anyway, I'm (laughs) (laughs) so I had to leave the last bit in because he's frankly a genius Uh, Are we free to make up God to fit the culture and the world that we live in? Uh, What is it that we need to hold firm to? How do we know? Uh, Jesus doesn't think that we can make up God, his Father, to be anything we like. Uh, On the screen uh, is Matthew 7, verse 22. Uh, He says this, uh, Many will say to me on that day, that's the day when the Lord Jesus will return in his glory, Uh, They will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. Uh, Just knowing Jesus' name, uh, or even seemingly acting for Jesus' name, as that uh, Lutheran church in America has done, is not enough 2 Peter is going to tell us that we need to understand what is true and right and we need to respond in right action. But how can we be sure? How, How do we know that what we even teach here at Grace Church is right? How do we know what we ought to strive for and live for? How do we know if we're saved or not? Well, 2 Peter's going to help us with that over the next three weeks. So let's begin. Uh, If you've got uh, chapter 1 in front of you open, uh, have a look at verse 1. This is just a little introduction verse. Uh, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, so that's who's writing the book, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. This letter is written by a man called Simon Peter. Uh, He was one of Jesus's disciples, followers. He's actually the man, if you remember the story of the cock crowing and someone denying Jesus three times, that is the guy that wrote this book. And at Jesus's gravest hour as he was facing trial before he was sentenced unjustly to death on a cross Simon Peter his beloved friend was there trying to find out what's going on and what did he do he didn't want to be associated with Jesus he denied him three times oh I I don't know him so if anyone anyone can reassure us that our faith is true and right. It will be someone like Simon Peter, won't it? Someone who's denied Jesus at the most important time in history. Uh, And he calls himself, here he gives himself two titles as we start, Uh, he calls himself a servant and an apostle. He's a servant because all people who believe in Jesus are called to be servants of Jesus. It's very different to how the false teachings, we'll get on to in chapter 2, how they're acting. But he's also an apostle. He's not to be taken lightly. He's not just some guy who's making stuff up. In fact, next week, that's exactly what he says. We're not making up cleverly devised stories. He was an eyewitness. He literally saw the life, work, death, and resurrection of Jesus. If anyone knows the truth, it is someone like this. And he was given special authority, that's what an apostle is, by Jesus to teach the truth. So let's get into the meat of this book. Uh, <coughs> verses 3 to 11 are like a little mini-sermon that he starts off his book with, and then the rest of the book sort of backs that up. How do we know? How do we know? Uh, all the way through. Uh, so we're going to look at verses one to, th- sorry 3 to 11. And the theme of this mini-sermon is that as Christians, we need to keep growing in our knowledge of Jesus Christ by living a godly life. We need to keep growing in our knowledge of Jesus by living a godly life. And if you like, this mini-sermon, it's like an antidote for the false teachers that are coming in chapter 2. This is the way in which we stand firm and confirm our faith, we can be sure. So he starts here, and then he moves on later to talk about the confused and the muddled teachings of their time, as we've seen some from our time. But it's important to get this right, he says. If you want a true and lasting life that has meaning, that is going to have a future that is beyond death with God himself, then you need to know this. Or if you're uh, wavering, or you're weak in your faith, or or you're, you're... you're not sure in your convictions well then you need to know this he says <coughs> so uh he's a very good preacher peter he's uh, broken his sermon down into three points uh, this mini sermon so we've got three points today uh, number one is this it's verses three and four it should all be on the screen or on your handouts if you're in the youth group god has given us everything we need god has given us everything we need have a look at verse three start of his little mini sermon God's divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us to be his own, uh, sorry, called us by his own glory and goodness. Uh, Christianity is unique amongst all other world religions. Uh, For all other world religions rely on me or us or you to get things right so that we can know God. But the one true God of the Bible, and this is why Christianity can only be the true religion, because uh, if it's left down to us, we've all got a big problem before our holy God, the holy God that we met in Leviticus. We will all fall short. But Christianity, rather than saying, this is what you've got to do, says something else. It says something wonderful. It says, God has given you everything you need. Uh, So it's not a, you need to tick certain boxes, or you need to say the right things. No, God has given you everything you need. For what? Salvation and a godly life. Uh, Why do we need uh, a godly life? Uh, Well, because someone who has rightly understood The grace that Jesus has given us. That he died on a cross to forgive us of our sins. He took the wrath that we deserve from God upon himself. Someone who understands that and has repented and believed and wanted to accept that grace of God can only, says Peter, respond by living a godly life. And so a Christian strives to live a godly life. If you like, he's going to say it's like a sign or a test of your faith, of true faith in Jesus. Uh, We see it all there in verse 3. Have a look at verse 3 again. Uh, God, by his divine power, has given us everything we need for a, and we think he's going to say for salvation, but he says for a godly life through or in response to our knowledge of him, God, who called us by his own glory and goodness. In other words, we're not deserving, and we haven't earned our salvation, our knowledge of God's grace, as he puts it there. We, in fact, deserve God's condemnation for how we act. And if we were left to our own devices, we would never turn to this good and glorious God. Uh, We're ultimately all self-serving. We can't help it. But fortunately, fortunately, God is different. It tells us he's good, and he is glorious, And part of his nature, who he is, is to call and forgive freely his people. And when you come to a knowledge of that, as he says in verse 3, he then also gives you everything you need for a godly life. He does all of this through placing the punishment we deserve on uh, Jesus, uh, the man that Peter, who wrote this book, rejected three times just before his death on the cross. Jesus even took his sin and says, I freely give you forgiveness. He's done it all. He took the wrath of God and he exchanges that life, that face, our life that should face death, with an eternal life with God the Father. And it's that knowledge, says Peter, that causes us to live a godly life. So both the knowledge and the ability to act on that knowledge is a divine gift from God himself. God has given us everything we need for salvation and a godly life. When we wake up each day, I think that means we're to thank God for his divine intervention in our lives so that we are both now saved and capable of living a godly life for him. He's done it all. Uh, verse 4 reinforces Uh, Exactly the same point, so uh, have a look at that. It says, through these, and by these he means God's goodness and God's glory. So, from the end of verse 3, so through God's goodness and glory, he has given us his very great and precious promises. So he saved us, He, he tells us what he can do for us, so that through them... You may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world, we're going to be different, caused by evil desires. We're forgiven of our sins. It is the promises of God, not our great actions, that allow us to be freed from sin and participate to belong with the divine Lord God himself. It's extraordinary. It's his work that means we can escape the corrupt nonsense and lies of this world and that frees us uh, from living by our evil desires and instead he equips us to live, give us everything we need for a godly life. God provides all we need for salvation and to live in a godly way in response to that. Uh, No other religion offers that. No other worldview offers that. The Sparkle Creed can't help you there. They're man made religions based on man made decisions. But the true God, well, he realizes we're a bit stuffed. We need some help. And so he gives us both salvation and the ability to live a godly life. Without God at work, we would just be left with man made sparkle creeds, with only elevating the evil of man rather than God. So where is the truth? Where is our only hope? Well, God has given it to you. It's in his word. He's our only hope. In him we find salvation and godly living, so we praise him. Uh, So that's where Peter starts. That's the first point he makes in verses 3 and 4. We're moving on to verses 5 and 9. Let me explain a bit before we look at those verses. Uh, I've called this point, Therefore, make every effort to be godly. You see, it's only once we know that we have the power of God to live godly lives in response to his gospel, his grace, his forgiveness, that we are then told we now need to make every effort to be godly. To not make that effort is not a reflection on God's power. He has given you everything, but rather it's a reflection on us rejecting his power. Uh, Imagine you start a new job or um, you go into your uh, maths exam. Uh, Your manager or your teacher gives you everything you need for this new job or your exam. Uh, Perhaps that's an Excel spreadsheet with all the data on it. Perhaps it's AutoCAD if you're an engineer. And if you're in your maths exam, perhaps it's a a proper calculator that has all the answers on the back. It's not quite that good. You've been given all the power you need to do your job. It's all there. Your, Your manager, your teacher's been generous They've given you everything, equipped you, it's all for you. But if you just turn up and go, you know what, I think I'm pretty, pretty good on my own. I reckon I can you know, get this all sorted without your help. Well, you won't be in that job and you won't do very well in that exam. In fact, your boss or your teacher will tell you, well, I don't know what's going on. I, I literally gave you everything freely. And so my only conclusion is that you rejected me. You can't say, I I love my boss or my job or my teacher and reject what he's given us and not respond rightly to it. And so Peter says, in response to the grace and power of God who gives you everything you need, verses 3 and 4, verse 5, For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith, goodness, to your goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, because you're working hard at them, making every effort, then they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is short-sighted and blind forgetting what have they forgotten everything that has been given to them forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins and uh, i will come back to that list uh, he makes in a minute but do you see the relationship between our effort and the free gift of god's grace and power to be godly If you work hard at godliness, verse 8, then you will be effective and productive as a right response to the knowledge that you've been given of Jesus. If you don't pursue godliness, uh, then you're turning a blind eye. You're literally short-sighted or blind, says Peter. You're, You're so arrogant, you don't even want to open the Excel spreadsheet or use your calculator. You're blind to the grace that you've been shown if you don't want to pursue godliness. And these two things have to be held together, don't they? God has freely given us everything we need to be godly and for salvation. And we must make every effort to be godly. If you, it won't do to be a half-hearted Christian. Well, I'll think about Jesus when I've got enough time for him. Or, or when I need something, or, or when I have spare time, or just at Christmas or at Easter, or when my parents ask me to, that's the only time I'll worry about Jesus. No, Jesus has bought you at a price. Literally, his life has paid for you. He's given you the power for salvation and a godly life. He's, he's handed it to you on a spreadsheet. And he hasn't just given you an Excel spreadsheet, he's given you his Holy Spirit to open your eyes to your sin. So what do we do? A godly response is to repent. The Spirit opens our eyes to the truth of the Bible and so we read it. The Spirit makes our prayers acceptable to the Heavenly Father and so we pray. He fixes our eyes with Jesus in front of us so that we make decisions for him and not for ourselves. He gives us the courage to speak, of, speak to others of our faith so that they too may receive this free gift. So we tell others. He gives you a church family to encourage you, to correct you. And so we come on Sundays and we join a home group or go to youth group and we prioritize meeting together. If we don't do those things, we are not utilising the full and generous gifts of God to live a godly life. Or do we not make every effort? If we don't seek, albeit badly at times, we'll come on to the challenge of this, it's not easy to be godly. But if we don't try to live for him, we have become, or perhaps are, blind To the grace that he's already shown us. It's therefore sinful, according to this section of 2 Peter, if we're not seeking to be godly. Uh, What does godliness look like? Uh, You could spend a long time on this, but uh, Peter gives us a list, doesn't he, of things that godliness looks like uh, in verses 5 to 7. I don't think they have to be read as a one thing leads to the next, but they're written in an order, so it's helpful to think through that. So to our faith, the knowledge we have of Jesus and his goodness to us, we add goodness. uh, Simply doing good, doing right actions, doing what is right before God. Next thing on that list is we act in a good way that deepens our knowledge. Uh, it's not like God reveals himself more to us when we do right things, but we understand what we're doing more and what we've read in his word, a bit like a sport or a hobby or an instrument. The more you do it, the more you understand what you've been taught. A result of practicing goodness that deepens our knowledge is that we are, uh, the next thing on the list is that we require more and more self-control. You see, the more godly you strive to be, the more sinful you realize you are. And so you have to practice more and more self-control. It's a bit like uh, looking into space with ever more powerful telescopes. You can see more and more going on, but you realize there's more and more you don't understand. And so to self-control, we then add perseverance. It's not easy being a Christian and pursuing godliness. We've got to persevere. That's what godliness looks like. It's hard work. And of course, perseverance requires us to keep a firm eye on godliness itself, to live and love for God before ourselves. And it's that godliness that causes us to have a mutual affection for one another, even when we find each other, somewhat annoying. I'm trying not to look at my children. And to mutual affection, we add love. If you want to be godly, pray through some of these things this week. Pray for the things you would like God to help you with make every effort to pursue these qualities of his spirit through his word, with his people, so that we are rightly responding to the grace we have been freely given. Do not be blind, says Peter. And then he ends his sermon uh, with verses 10 and 11 with a, a, like an end-of-life motivation. Uh, He says, uh, I've called it this, so you will receive a rich welcome. Have a look at verse 10. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. If you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We learn here that if we make every effort to be godly, we are in fact, verse 10, making our calling and election sure. If you want to know if you're a Christian, see if you're responding by wanting to live for God. It's a sign that you've understood his grace and his free gift of forgiveness to you. The Christian life finds assurance of our faith not in giving up on godliness as if it doesn't matter, but, uh, and not in sort of letting go and let God, we'll just leave it all to him and I'll get on with my life. No, we need it all. We need to know that God gives us fully and freely salvation and equips us for godliness. And therefore we make every effort because we know his goodness is true. And if we're not interested, uh, then we're not able to be sure of our calling and election. But if we are working, striving towards godliness, then what a reward awaits us. Because if that is how we are living, it's proof that we have been called and elected by God as his people. And now uh, let's think a little bit about what this looks like in reality. Because this can sound quite scary. And it can be a bit depressing. because Well, I'm not very good at this. Does that mean I'm not a Christian? You might be sat here going, well, this is this is bad. I think I believe in Jesus. I think I've repented of my sins, but I I don't really want to, or I can't really be bothered to try and live for him. I'm just not interested. I don't really want to be godly. Well, that's a dangerous place to be, says 2 Peter. That's a very dangerous place to be. Now, perhaps you're just short-sighted or, or you're, you're stumbling, as he puts it, but... Perhaps more worryingly, you're blind. You've never seen the grace and the goodness of God freely given to you. And you've just never responded. Either way, look again to the free forgiveness and grace of Jesus. Make every effort to pursue godliness in response to all that he's done for you. Or perhaps you're here and you, and you, just, you just don't believe it. I, I just, you just don't believe in God. You, don't, you haven't accepted the power of God for salvation and godly living. Well, I hope you've seen in this uh, short sermon of his, th- there's no other hope. There's no other way to God. Jesus and his gift of forgiveness and godliness is our only hope. And so repentance is required before him. Or perhaps, and, and this will be much many more of us here, you believe in Jesus, you've repented of your sins, and you do want to be godly. Or maybe you've just decided, yeah, I hadn't thought about this before. I want to live for Jesus. And you try, but you're painfully aware how far short we fall of godliness. And so you feel demoralized or or down, or I just can't do it, maybe I'm not a Christian. Well, Peter actually says, that is exactly where you want to be. If you're seeking goodness but failing, that is exactly where you want to be. You see, as you seek goodness, as we saw in that list, what happens? Your knowledge improves. You understand more of what God's word has taught you. And what do you see? More of your sin. And so you need more self-control because the Christian life is hard and living for Jesus is hard. And so then you need more perseverance. Well, I've got to, I've got to, I'm going to keep going. It's exactly where the Christian, until Jesus returns in all his glory, needs to be. Struggling along, making every effort to be godly. Struggling to be godly is no bad thing. In fact, it is the place to be, says Peter. That's why perseverance and self control is in his list. Don't give up, he says. Don't give up and risk stumbling. If you're fearful of losing track or you need to feel like you need to make more effort, well, revisit the Gospels. Remind yourself that he's already done everything and equipped you fully. And remind yourself that he's, he's forgiven you freely. And the very fact that you see your sin and know that you're failing is proof that you're striving and wanting to be godly. Otherwise, you'd feel no guilt at all. So remind yourself how wonderful and powerful and worthy he is. Remind yourself that he has given you absolutely everything you need for salvation and godliness, and keep going. And remember, he is well and truly worth it. He is worth every effort, for he has done it all, and he will return. And those who have sought to trust and obey him, to be godly, well, what will happen at the end when Jesus returns? A rich welcome. Verse 11, into the eternal kingdom of God. A rich welcome awaits us for all who have received the grace of Jesus and understood it and responded rightly. This life is hard. Being a Christian is hard. We live in a world where the Sparkle Creed is what many churches now believe, whether they've written a creed about it or not. And it's a struggle to be godly every day, at school, at work, in our homes, in our communities. But that is a sign of sure faith if you are finding that hard and a rich welcome awaits you. It's like going home after a long time away, only far better. It's like a war hero's return, only it will be far better. It's like a a huge family reunion, although for some of us that might not be a good illustration, only much better. The God of all, the Lord Jesus himself, will be there with a hearty embrace saying, I've done it all for you, and you understood that and responded by trying to live for me. Let me pray. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we praise you that you have done it all. You have offered us freely your grace, your forgiveness, a relationship with you that lasts eternally. You've given us everything we need to live a godly life in response. If we don't believe in you today, please open our eyes. Please give us hope that no one else in this world has unless they know Jesus. For those of us who do trust and believe in you, bring us afresh to the Lord Jesus. Fill our eyes with his life and work, his death and his resurrection in our place. May our lives be joyful for all that he's done for us and equipped us. And may we respond in making every effort to live for him alone. And as we fail, bring us to repentance again so that we may enjoy your cross again and be reminded that this struggle we face in this life until the Lord Jesus returns is for your glory, for our good, and it confirms our election and calling. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.